Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. Ah, and I know I'm getting this show up late once again. It's Friday, August 28th, and I'm not going to lie to y'all, my ex-husband and I are actually pretty good friends, and uh, he is moving down to Florida, so he and I went out to dinner last night, and we drank a little too much tequila, (laughs) and I am not a tequila drinker at all, so... In fact, I rarely do the hard stuff, you know, my little organic, healthy yoga body. uh, It was, you know, good stuff going down. But man, this morning I woke up and I've got a headache. (laughs) So I've been drinking water and I went to a yoga class. The yoga class actually helped tremendously, but I've literally been puttering around. I went to the grocery store. Um, bought some wine, which of course it's what you do when you're hungover, right? You buy more booze. <laughs> so I've had in the back of my mind, I got to do the show. I got to do the show. I got to go record the show and <laughs> I'm running a little behind, but Hey, here we are. And I think that you're going to really love today's show. I have an incredible guest by the name of Rebecca Thompson And I really wanted to share her story now because it's so poignant for the times that we're in. And it's also, you know, just really poignant because of her spiritual journey that she's been on. You know, I think that getting into the woo-woo can be really intimidating, right? It can be really scary, There's just, there's so much to it. And I sometimes forget this because, you know, I've been doing the woo-woo hippie shit for (laughs) 25 years. So I sometimes forget, you know, I can just drop right into a conversation about anything and not skip a beat. But, you know, sometimes I forget that people are like, wait, what's that? What, what is it that you, what, where are you going? (laughs) What are you talking about? So I think that, you know, when you're first getting into it, there's so much and you don't know like where to put your attention and your focus and you can really get bright, shiny object syndrome, right? (laughs) Like, ooh, Reiki, ooh, tarot, oh my God, feng shui, ooh, spirit animals, light language, dowsing, oh my, like there's just so much. And, you know, where do you start How do you take it all in without the overwhelm? And more importantly, what is correct for you? Because something that works for me and something that I like may not work for you. You may hate it. You know, I always go on and on about how much I love nature and my spirit animals and how, you know, uh, when I'm out and about, the animals speak to me. Well, that may not be for you. 
Maybe you need to talk to trees or, you know, maybe you get your communication through tarot. Whatever it is, we all have something that is correct for us. So I think that you're really going to hear an incredible story today from Rebecca and her enlightenment journey, so to speak. You know, I think a lot of us think that it's going to be really glamorous and sexy and amazing, and it's actually really effed up and messy, (laughs) right? Like it can be, um, it can be a really bumpy ride. And, you know, you feel like you're failing more than you're um, really making progress. And you're just really, I always tell everybody, just fail forward. Like just keep doing what you're doing, you know. And I think that um, as long as you stay curious, you're doing the right things. So real quick, going to dive into just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, My workshop with astrologer Sharita Starr, How to Navigate Fall 2020, is still available for purchase. We are very, very quickly uh, approaching the Mars retrograde. So I would highly recommend if you're wanting to prepare and just to have a greater understanding of about <laughs> the shit show that's about to occur in the sky, this is definitely something that you're going to want to partake in and just get a, a better understanding. It, it's, you know, it's nothing to fear and be uh, scared of, but it's so great to have the awareness of what's coming and have an understanding of what to prepare for so that when it happens, you know, you're more of a spectator and you don't feel like you're, you know, just this victim of circumstance. So I think that if that's something that you're interested in I would highly look into it Uh, you can find it on the website interiorvibes.com there's a button right at the top of the page there so that you can uh, uh, take advantage of that also several of you emailed about the moving heart method from last week's show and all you have to do is go to gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash moving heart method you can also type in moving heart into the search bar on the website and it'll come right up So I've only offered this to podcast listeners. So it's kind of buried on the site uh, on purpose because it's not open to the general public. It's only for those who listen to the show because I need to give you context, right? (laughs) You need to know about my tooth. You need to know what the heck I was doing. I needed to explain myself, basically. I mean, why the hell do you want to do this? Why would you want to purchase this meditation? You have to have an understanding of what it is and the amazingness of it. And you don't know that until you listen to the show. So I can't have some rando just falling on the website going, oh, what is this? I should buy this. (laughs) So that's why it's a little bit harder to find. It's done that way on purpose. Alrighty. So my guest today. Oh, She's amazing. You guys are going to love her. She's written this fantastic book called Rebecca Rising. You can find it all over the place. It's all over the interwebs. But I think many of you are going to find yourself in her words. She went from being an engineer, you know, living the American dream, making lots of money because she was told she should, right? She checked all the boxes. And You know, I think that a lot of us sign up for this, especially the, you know, I don't know that the millennials are doing it as much. They came in with different software, but, you know, us older folk, we were told to go to college, get an education, get married, get the fancy house, get the fancy cars, have the 2.5 kids, get the dog. You know, we've got all these boxes that we're supposed to check to uh, make it look like we got our shit together. And as women, you know, I think we've been really conditioned to believe that we have to have those boxes checked. And if we're not in our own lane, God forbid we're doing it wrong. 
<laughs> right? So I think that what's really great about Rebecca's story is that she was doing all the things that she was supposed to be doing and, you know, trying to stay in her lane and trying to check those little boxes, but things weren't quite turning out the way that she had hoped. And, you know, she didn't realize that she was really signing up for obligations and a bunch of stuff that she really didn't want to do. And what happens is that when we do the shoulds, coulds, woulds, and, and the, you know, we, we put so much on our calendar and we feel guilty for things, we're just setting ourselves up for failure, right? We're setting ourselves up for constant heartache because we're doing things for everyone else and we're not answering our own call. So we ignore our needs and we play the martyr and put everyone else above us because we've been conditioned to believe that that's what a good girl does. Well, F that. So through a failed marriage and dipping her toe into the woo-woo hippie shit, she started having conversations with the moon and Becky became Rebecca Rising. Hot damn, y'all. She found herself. So... In today's show, you're going to learn how to break free from the mold that you've been conditioned to believe is the only way, which is a bunch of bullshit. And you're going to understand in your heart how to follow it, how to understand what it's looking for, and how to break free from the norm. That is not the path for you. So how do you find true empowerment? How do you find true enlightenment that is true for you? This is a customization, right? Everybody's way is different. It's not a, a cookie cutter way to approach life. And that's what you're going to hear from Rebecca today is how she broke free from the mold. And now she's living this kick-ass life out in California doing what she wants to do. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amanda. I am delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today. Yeah, I think this is going to be super fun. Um, I really enjoyed your book. But before we dive into that, I want to back up a little bit. I think that one of the things that really resonated with me is I loved your story, like where you were and how it landed you where you are now. And I, I think it's a story that's expressed by a lot of women. You know, in our early years, we shove our sh ourselves into this like box that isn't really our authentic self. But, you know, uh, some of the terms you use is, you know, I was the good wife. I was the good mother. I was stable. I was reliable. I was, you know, the problem solver. And I think a lot of women could be easily enamored like, yes, check, check, check. I'm all of those things. And we're conditioned to believe that that's what we're supposed to be and really play that part. So give us some background before we dive into, you know, this emerging of Rebecca, who was Becky the engineer and, and how did she, you know, end up there with a husband and kids and kind of living an inauthentic life? Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you say, Amanda, in terms of the kind of roles we find ourselves in just based on what's expected of us, right? So I started out a small town girl in Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, and grew up in um, kind of a narrow background, I would say, um, raised in the Presbyterian church and did all the things that I was expected to do. 
Uh, my dad said, you ought to be an engineer because you're good at math and science and that's the thing to be right now. So I did what was expected of me and I went off to Penn State and I majored in industrial engineering and I met a boy and we got married right out of college and he was an engineer too and we moved to Rochester, New York and got good jobs and we bought a house and got a dog and literally put up a white picket fence and started raising three babies and everything was just going along fine, you know, just kind of the picture perfect life. And uh, my now ex-husband decided he wanted to start his own business. He was ambitious and he was good at what he did. And so he started his business and he, things were going well for a while. And then all of a sudden they weren't. Um, the economy took a turn. Um, his clients weren't paying their bills. And so we weren't paying our bills. And so financially we weren't doing so well. And he started to drink. So, and I, I came from a background where my family didn't drink at all. So I had never been around drinking until I went off to college. And then I thought it was cool, right? Because I'd never, you know, never been around that. And so of course I, you know, I went to Penn State and there was quite a lot of drinking and that was a big part of our world. But even after we graduated, uh, we thought it was cool to open a bottle of wine at dinner and that kind of thing too. So, um, but his, his drinking continued and, and really got out of control to the point where he was passing out most nights. So it wasn't helping our relationship and um, wasn't helping our finances. So he started, um, his business began to fail and he ended, up, he ended up getting a job because we really just had no alternative at that point and moved out of state. And so that was kind of, um, in a nutshell, my story and how I kind of found, found myself in this place where I really felt stuck. I was increasingly unhappy frustrated, angry. He wasn't really doing anything to change his behavior to improve things. And I felt, you know, I, like I said, I was the good wife and I was the one, as I would have described it, I was keeping all the balls in the air. I was making sure the bills got paid and I was managing my own career and I was taking care of the kids and just, um, you know, trying to be a, a good wife. So that's kind of where I was. Well, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished reading, uh, which for everybody who's listening today, I want you to stop what you're doing and go out and buy this book. It's uh, Glennon Doyle's new book called Untamed. And I think that it's kind of an anthem for all women to kind of rise because I think we are all, um, especially the older generation, I feel like a lot of us were conditioned just exactly what you said, the quote unquote American dream of going to college, getting the, you know, meeting the boy and, and getting the fancy house and the white picket fence and having the kids and the dog. And it's like, check, 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 check. I'm, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but why am I not happy? Right. Mm -hmm. You've exactly. been told that when you get these things, your life is now perfect and yet they're not. And I'm curious for you and your opinion, you know, I, I think a lot of us shut ourselves off um, and you know, I'm sure someone like you being an engineer, I mean, holy cow, that's a very left brain analytical mm. field. Um, you know, we really shut ourselves off to the right brain creativity, uh, spiritual side of ourselves. You know, I'm curious what your background was because you, you mentioned that initially you had zero faith in metaphysics. Mm -hmm. So you know, and I think a lot of us, I did it in my early years. I definitely um, was curious about things like that, but mm -hmm. 
but I was in the closet. Like I didn't want anybody to know because it was really mm-hmm. scary. So why did you not have faith in it? And how did this experience really help you kind of start dipping your toe into it? Yeah. So I think I mentioned, you know, I was raised in the Presbyterian church, but I, uh, my family believed that going to church was something nice people did. <laughs> so again, it was just, Conditioning. um, right. It was just part of the expectations. And I liked church. I like, I taught Sunday school and I sang in the choir and it was, it was just an activity that was mostly social, you know, something that I just enjoyed doing and being part of that community. Not that I was, um, particularly spiritual, really. Um, But as I um, progressed through these experiences um, of, you know, my family, um, at the same time in my career, um, I was going through some things and actually teaching diversity training. And I had a lot of gay friends at that time when I was still living in New York. And they would tell me these stories of being rejected by their churches rejected by their families in some cases. And that was when I really started questioning, what do I belong to? You know, do I really want to be part of this? If this is the kind of thing that people are doing to these lovely, wonderful people. Um, so that was when I first started really questioning my belonging to this kind of an organization. And uh, so one of the first moves we made was from Rochester, New York to um, Raleigh, North Carolina. And so just in terms of getting involved in the community and meeting some people. I wanted to find a church, but at that time I joined a Unitarian Universalist church, which was much more inclusive than the kind of church I had been going to before. And I got exposed to a lot of different ideas through that community. And one of the first things I was invited to was a dowsing class. I was very skeptical. I'd been exposed to nothing metaphysical ever in my life. I had no idea what dowsing was. I thought it was something you did with a fork stick to find water. (laughs) That's all I knew. That was it. Um, But my daughter and I had been doing some volunteer work with this woman, and she invited us both to come to this class at her house, and we liked her. We thought she was nice. Um, that was kind of the extent to which, you know, we gave it any thought. It's like, well, it could be fun and we'll meet some people. Um, so we went and again, I was very skeptical. She started describing, um, you know, she gave everybody a set of dowsing rods, um, two, you know, just metal rods that were on handles that you could swing freely. And she told us, go off in the corner with your rods and, and they will teach you their yes and their no answers so that you can ask questions and, and get these yes and no answers. And I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, either this is a bunch of crap or even if it's not, I don't have any powers. You know, this takes, you know, I'd heard of like ESP or, you know, superpowers, the psychic powers, right. To do this. And I don't have anything like that. So I thought, I'll just go play with these things for a few minutes in my corner, and then I'll come back and tell the hosts, you know, thank you for inviting me, but this is not for me. And, but lo and behold, I went off in my corner and started following the instructions she had given us. And sure enough, the rods did show me a yes and a no answer in the way that they moved. And I was just absolutely astonished. And I thought, I must be doing this. I must be wiggling them or shaking them or, you know, making this happen. And no, it was, I just kept doing it over and over. They consistently performed, got back together with my daughter. She had found the same thing and others in the class. And it was just, uh, I think I was hooked really at that moment, realizing there was something to this. 
and went on from there um, to be invited to a Reiki class, um, classes about crystals, psychic readings, tarot readings, all kinds of things. I eventually became a Reiki master. Um, so it just opened me up to a lot of new perspectives and um, new ways of thinking and ultimately led to me changing my life. I love this story because like I said, you know, I've, I've heard uh, this in a variety of, of different ways where I think so many of us due to conditioning and what we've been told and control systems and things like that, you know, we've really shut down that right brain creative side of ourselves, the spiritual side that really feeds us. And I'm curious your thoughts, uh, you know, I have an opinion on this, but I think so many of us do shut that side down, even though we're curious. I was curious. You, you may have been like, absolutely not. This is weird, but I was definitely curious about things, but we tend, I, I and we're starting to open up a, a lot more now that we're, you know, headed through the great awakening. But I think a lot of us have shut that side of ourselves down but we go through some traumatic event in our life that kind of knocks us upside the head or we have an experience like that where spirit steps in and says, all right, sweet cheeks, you need to get, you know, back into the, the right brain and, and be back in the metaphysical world because it's what's going to feed you. Um, but in your opinion, why do you think that so many of us shut that side off? And like, it's almost like we have an inner knowing, but we, we like, we put up our hand and we're like, la, 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 we don't see that over there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I think we've been, you know, we've been kind of brought up in the age of science and taught to trust in facts, you know, and what we can physically see and hear and feel through our senses, our physical senses, and not to trust our intuition. I was taught to not trust my intuition. Like, oh, that's just crazy voices in your head, right? And I talk a lot about that in my book of all the different voices in my head and I'm trying to sort them out in order to make decisions because I didn't know how. Um, but I think so much of it is conditioning. I think you're right. I think it's a lot of these things are becoming more mainstream. I'm so grateful to that because I was like you, I, I was hiding, you know, for the longest time, even though I was dipping into these things, I wasn't telling people, even my best friend, because I was afraid of what she would think. And I was afraid that she would be, because I loved her and I was afraid that she would reject me and be so weirded out by some of the things I was doing. <laughs> and she was a little bit, right? Right. Um, um, but turned out in the end to be fine, you know, because she loves me and, and she wasn't going to reject me, but I was afraid. I was definitely afraid. And I do find now that I'm able to bring much more of my whole self, even into the corporate world, which I kept things separate for the longest time. Didn't want people to know, you know, I was doing this woo woo stuff. Right. But now I'm, I, we're doing guided meditations at the beginning or at the end of a, a corporate workshop, or we're, um, picking spirit animal cards and talking about what that animal has to say to us today and things like that. So it's just, it's just delightful that we're able to merge these worlds. And I think it's so needed. You know, I, I've talked about here on the show when I got uh, into feng shui 20 years ago, you know, how off-putting it was to people and, and, you know, where's the science? Why does this work? You know, what exactly is it? Is it, in fact, I just had a woman email me the other day asking me if it was a cult and I'm like, no, it's energy medicine. And in fact, Jesus and the Essenes practice this very thing. Like it's Christ consciousness. This has nothing to do, but I was like, you know what? I'm just not even going to respond. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it just, it gets to be too much at times, but 
I think that, you know, for the most part, everybody that listens to this show is highly enlightened and, you know, we're definitely going through a great awakening, which is so amazing. Like either that, or maybe I've just elevated to a point to where I just don't give two flips and I'm just, you know, I let my weird flag fly now, but Mm -hmm. I do feel like a lot more people are receptive to woo woo. But I am curious, you know, you, you didn't have any faith in metaphysics, but you did have this incredible uh, experience with dowsing that kind of got you hooked, which I think is fabulous because there's always that one thing that, you know, kind of expands your horizons like, oh my God, like if I can do this, what else can I do? So I'm curious, what yes. are some things that you did if somebody's listening to this show today and maybe they're new, they're a new listener and they're like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know what dowsing is. I don't know what Reiki is. What are some things that really helped you? I mean, I think you're a great example because you're from a a very analytical world. Um, I was too. I was pre-med, so very scientific. I had to have the hard facts. Let's do a lab experiment. (laughs) Let's chart this out. What are some things that really worked for you to kind of open you up and not question yourself? Because Mm. you said that, you know, you weren't trusting yourself and God forbid you don't have intuition. You have no power. You're not doing this when in actuality you are. So what worked for you? It took a really long time. I mean, this is not something that happened overnight, but it was, it was gradual and it was so real and just in the way I was feeling and the results that started happening in my life. So um, you know, I mentioned the, the dowsing and how just seeing movement, um, you know, uh, that I didn't know that I was doing or capable of doing, um, that did get me curious and hooked and Reiki was the next thing and seeing physical results from that in terms of, um, the, the promotion of healing. I saw actual medical results in terms of my blood pressure and my cholesterol lowering as a result of doing Reiki. I saw, um, people that I was doing it for um, achieve um, pain management that they had not been able to achieve with medication. Um, it was just astonishing to me to start to see these results and you couldn't deny that. And then I, I really think there is a lot of signs. I mean, we, we are all made of energy. Everything just is energy. We're made of atoms and molecules that vibrate. And, you know, in the metaphysical world, we talk about aligning our vibration right with the things that we want and and that's scientific as well because we are made of atoms and molecules that vibrate and i thought crystals you know was was something there was just a superstition carrying a lucky rock in your pocket or whatever they're just rocks (laughs) just rocks it makes you feel good to have that oh it's pretty you know it's nice it makes a nice little gift to give somebody a pretty little rock you know that's their favorite color or their birthstone color or whatever you know that's really all I thought of it but as I started to study and learn about it I realized that the molecular structure of crystals is more stable than the molecular structure of the human body which is mostly made of water so of course they're going to have uh, an influence on our molecular structure in terms of stabilizing us and influencing us, influencing us with these properties that they carry, uh, and the different colors and structures that they are uh, carry different properties, and so we'll have a different kind of influence on us. So it, there's just so much uh, more science um, to the metaphysical. I'd, I'd love to find these places where the two worlds meet, you know, because I, I think there's just so much more um, science to it than, than we typically think. 
Well, and I, I think that what is so curious about our age is that we're arrogant in thinking that, you know, we're the most intelligent age that we've ever been. And that's actually quite false. I mean, when you look at uh, I've read so many texts on uh, Atlantis and Lemuria mm. and these times where we were high. I mean, we were already in, in 5D and like um, in Jesus and the Essenes uh, by Dolores Cannon, she talks about how uh, in Quamram they uh, utilized crystals. They had electricity. They had bathrooms. They all had their own homes. Like we think we're so evolved, and like you hear about how it was back then, and we're thinking that they're living in dirt huts and living like <laughs> in poverty, and they're actually more advanced than we are. And it's all through crystal energy, and like their homes were made of crystalline and all of these amazing properties. And it's exactly that. It was the molecules and the vibration, and and they were able to. Um, pull from that and create these incredible paradigms. And that's how Jesus was able to heal because he was able to, to learn how to utilize his own power to create energy healing and to, to pull that from the ethers, which is so rad if you think about it. And here we are, you know, in our dense 3D world going, oh, we're so advanced. We have toilets and electricity. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, isn't that amazing? And how we've erased that from our own, you know, um, mental history somehow. It's 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 crazy and crazy. I did a uh, past life regression last year with Alba Weinman, and um, I had had a couple of them done before by other practitioners, but they couldn't get me down. And it was mainly because my analytical brain, I was just like, this isn't real. I'm not seeing it. You know, like I was getting in my own way and man, Alba knocked my ass out. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a lifetime in Lemuria and I had a lifetime in Atlantis. And what was so beautiful in Atlantis was that I was actually looking over the city and it was all of these, um, I guess you could call them skyscrapers. I don't know what we called them back then, but they were all skyscrapers and they were crystal and they were made of crystals mm-hmm. and everything was energized by crystals. And there was, the whole city was lit up through crystal energy. Oh, how beautiful. Right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was amazing. I was a priest in that lifetime and, and I held the, the sacred knowledge, but it was beautiful because I was looking out over this land of all these beautiful crystals and I'm like, I want to go back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where I want to yes. be. Yes, yes, yes. I often have that homesick feeling of, you know, I'm going to go home and then I'll be right. like, um, I am home, you know, but I, I mean my spiritual home, right? On another planet. It's, and I've had past life regressions too, where I've been um, from another, another planet and um revered as a woman priestess and it broke my heart when i came back i think the treatment of women you know in our time and on our our planet is just so disgraceful (laughs) and it just it just breaks my heart i came back from past life regression and just sat and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and yeah a lot to learn it's it's crazy how much the ego on this planet um, we come in with amnesia and how powerful the ego is. And I was talking about, I did a show uh, on this podcast last week, New Earth Predictions, and I was talking about how we had the opportunity in 2012 to rise and it could have been realized by 2014, but humanity didn't do it. We didn't rise because there wasn't enough in, in the world of consciousness to lift us up. And we are so enamored and seduced by the egoic crap, the houses, the cars, the clothes, Mm. the Instagram followers. We're so Mm -hmm. seduced by it because we think that is real. 
and yes. we get so caught up in the the maya the illusion of it all that we don't realize that none of this exists <laughs> you know no it doesn't matter i know i think we're very um kind of a teenage culture right you know very immature and oh and yes. so caught up within those kinds of things things that we think are important and they're just really not a very immature culture yeah, I really think it is. And, and one of the things that I wanted to uh, talk to you about is one of the things that I love about talking with others who have kind of a, a before spiritual awakening and after spiritual awakening is I think it's really important for people to hear why that stuff doesn't matter and what's on the other side of the mountain, so to speak. So explain to the audience what life was like before your spiritual awakening. And now that you are Rebecca, this powerful woman living in California and you're happy, you know, share with the audience those two worlds and why it's, I think, so much better to be over the mountain. Oh, for sure. Right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you can be so much more free of worry and fear. Um, I think in my previous lifetime as Becky, <laughs> in the same <laughs> physical lifetime, but when I was living as Becky, um, I was always worried, always worried about money, always worried about my husband's drinking and what was going to happen. And I felt like I had to control everything and that I had to make things happen. And yet I was unable to, um, I felt like I had to be perfect in order to be loved and i was trying very hard uh you know as i said to just keep the balls in the air and keep things going and just trying Which to manage exhausting everything. it was that's exactly the word i was going to use it was exhausting it was exhausting and and impossible <laughs> it's just an impossible thing when you you know you're not perfect but you're trying so hard to be perfect and you think that you're not going to be loved unless you're perfect but you know you're not perfect so it's, very, it's just you're on this hamster wheel, right? And just going after, perfect, after perfection that you know you can't achieve, but you're afraid somebody's going to notice that you're not perfect. Um, oh. And, you know, and it's just so freeing to get on the other side of that and realize you don't have to control everything. You don't have to worry. Um, you are loved just the way you are. You are there is nothing to forgive in yourself or in others. And so you can just let go of all of that. You can let go of fear um, because your eternal soul is gonna be okay no matter what happens in this lifetime on this planet, you're gonna be okay. Um, and so your kids are all gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry. They're all on their journey. They're here to learn lessons uh, and they're learning them. If they're doing something, it's because they planned on doing that so they could learn a lesson from it. So you just, you, you can just be so free of, of all this striving and all this, you know, fear and worry. It's, it's just a very freeing experience. I think that's an excellent word. Um, if there's one word to really sum it up, it is free. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think about when I got married, I did not want to get married. My innate nature was, I don't want to be married but I was 22 years old. All my friends were getting married and I could feel the pressure that, oh my God, she's 22 and she's not married yet. Like, 
And it, what was so strange, well, not strange, but ironic, I guess you could say, is that in my heart of hearts, I didn't want to get married. And so I kept the engagement ring that he had given me, I kept taking off in the middle of the night in my sleep. And so every morning we were having to dig in the sheets to find the ring. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's not telling, I don't know what is. Every morning it was like a process of it. So finally I just started taking it off at night and leaving it in the bathroom because it kept getting lost in the sheets. But, you know, the, the ideal was, is that, you know, go to college, get the career, get married, buy the house. Like I did all the steps. I, I, mm -hmm. as I was going through your book, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I did all this too. <laughs> check, 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 yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I, I think I did pretty good initially i think i was really playing the part and and i was doing all the things that i was supposed to do and i think a lot of women that are listening to this show today probably have a same experience where you know they felt obligated to meet expectations and to be the good girl and mm -hmm. one of the things that i love about glennon's new book again everybody needs to go out and get it it's called untamed is she starts the the book out with uh, she and her wife, Abby, go to um, the zoo and they bring out a Labrador uh, dog and say, is this a cheetah? And of course, all the kids say, no. And they've conditioned this animal to believe that she's a Labrador. And Glennon is fantastic. She's like, she's a goddamn cheetah. <laughs> wow. And so she said, everybody was clapping in the audience, but not me. How many of us have been? He's excited, apparently. I know. Sorry about that. Yes. In these days of working from home, we get a lot of uh, animal interruptions, animal communications. <laughs> well, Mercury retrograde, just go with the Exactly. Flow. Exactly. It's fine. But uh, one of the things that I loved about it is she's like every single woman out there has been tamed and told that she's a Labrador when she's a goddamn cheetah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. It's so true. And she's like, how many of us out there are cheetahs? And we're being told that, you know, we're these, we're supposed to be this tame, lovable, likable, pleasant Labrador. Oh, so true. <laughs> and you feel that wildness pulling at you, but yet you stuff it down because you're not supposed to feel that way. Right. Supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what have you learned from this whole experience, because this whole experience is what inspired you to write your book, Rebecca Rising. Yes. So I learned that I have way more strength than I thought I did, that I have way more power than I thought I did. I learned to slow down and listen to my heart. I was so addicted to being busy, you know, <laughs> just running the home and running the kids and running my career and keeping track of what my husband was doing. You know, I was so busy doing all that. I wasn't listening to what my heart was trying to tell me and, and how I felt. I never thought that my feelings were important. And I was so busy being the good girl, as you said, you know, doing what my parents expected of me and what society expected of me and being a good daughter and a good employee and a good wife and mother. And not that there's anything wrong with being those things either, you know? Um, and there's many things I loved about those things, but, uh, it's, it's okay to have the life that you want. It's okay to have the life that you want and you're worth it. So go for it. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, um, and I've talked a lot about that on this show about the addiction to busy and how Mm -hmm. I think it allows us to stay on the surface so that we can continue to take shallow sips of air and just coast and maintain, right? So that we don't have to go there because we know Mm -hmm. we can feel that tug in our inner knowing that it's not right, that it's not authentic. But if we stay busy, we can ignore it. We can distract ourselves so it becomes a coping mechanism. Yes, exactly. So I think that that's why I think is so important about this because like, as I was reading it, I just felt like I could envision you as the chrysalis and like, you're a goddamn cheetah and you open that sucker up and you're like, I am going to rise out of this and I'm going to emerge Rebecca. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Thank you for that image. That's great. But I think that it's so important and I think a lot of women are starting to do this. You know, we just went through a Venus retrograde and it's so funny. It's not funny, but it is funny. Uh, We just went through a Venus retrograde and like five of my friends are separated and starting to go through divorce and they're falling apart. And I'm like, this is exactly why these retrogrades happen because you are not taking the call. You are not listening to the whispers and you're ignoring it and you're shoving it down and you're staying busy. And so the universe steps in and says, all right, I'll do it for you. You know, we're going to go ahead and take care of this for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I got hit over the head and the moon called out to me and that's, um, I put that in my subtitle conversations with the moon because I literally was just sleeping one night and my dog got me up in the night and we went outside and there's this big full moon and it was talking to me. <laughs> and, and the message was, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. And I asked, what, what do you mean by that? You know? And I had been trying to decide once again, because my now ex was still married at the time had gotten another job in another state. And I was trying to decide if I should move or should I go or should I stay and she said, you're, you're missing the point. It's not about what you do. It's about how do you want to feel and who do you want to be? And that was, you know, literally like being hit over the head. I had never thought about how I want to feel or whether my feelings were even important or whether they mattered at all. <laughs> so how do I want to feel? That's a whole different question than what do you want to do or what do you, are you going to do? Wow. Yeah. I mean, good grief. Isn't that sad though? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's such a powerful thing, but I remember I went, I I called it hippie camp, but I went on this retreat. It was a a soul retreat. We went out and to the middle of nowhere and we camped for seven days with a bunch of strangers. And the whole idea was that you were supposed to connect with the land and like you, you know, with the dowsing. And of course, you know, I don't just do it for a workshop. Like I'm like seven days, hell yeah, let's, you know, set this up. And I was so freaked out. I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like, what did I sign up for? Seven <laughs> days. What the hell was I thinking? But like, I'm a more is more girl. But I remember like on the third or fourth day, I'm sitting at a waterfall and I'm connecting with nature and all the nature spirits are talking to me and Mm. I meet my guides and I have this beautiful, amazing experience. And I, it's so weird. I actually just found this journal, like, which is so not ironic because of all the retrogrades, right? Brings everything back. But I found this journal and it says inside of it, I know exactly what to do, but I'm scared to death to do it. And it was to leave Mm. my husband. Wow. Wow. 
And I think that that's so sad that, you know, I I think part of my fear was that I wasn't going to meet expectations. Everybody was counting on me. I was holding everything together. You know, I had all these obligations. So I was putting all this undue (laughs) responsibility on myself that really didn't exist. It was all an illusion. But I was telling myself that, well, if I leave, everything's going to fall apart, which is exactly (laughs) what it needed to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, Yeah, I can so relate to that, Amanda. I know, I know. But here's the funny thing. So my ex-husband, he's still alive, but he visits me at night. He astral travels all the time. And every single time he comes to me, it's because something is going wrong in his life. I'm like, can you ever visit me when you're not in the shit, right? Like (laughs) you keep coming to me. So the, uh, quarantine happened and I had, he came to me and he told me that he was having health issues and, you know, things were upside down and inside out. And so I called him and I'm like, Hey, I know we haven't talked in about while, but what's going on? And he's like, oh my God. He's like, I forgot how intuitive you are. He's like, you know, my wife just left me and I just lost my job and I just found out I have prostate cancer. And I'm like, oh. wow. So you're not doing what you're supposed to do. That's why all this shit's falling apart. You're not listening. Once again, you're a Taurus. <laughs> and um, so anyways, for a moment, I realized that I needed to, to help him. And, and so, uh, we hung out for a couple of times. We went out to dinner and, and, you know, we, we hung out for a little bit so that I could help him along his path. And it was so great. It was so full circle because I shared with him some of the things that really bothered me about our marriage. And I voiced to him, you know, just the stupid shit that he would do. And that he was, there was a lot of patriarchy in our marriage and control and stuff. And, and I just shared with them, like, you know, if you had been married to me now, like that shit would not have gone down. But because I was so young, I was playing the part because he was older. And mm-hmm. I thought what was so beautiful is that he's evolved so much more than I realized. And the marriage that he just left was a huge part in that lesson. Like, he married this woman that he had no business getting married to, which of course was exactly why he needed to marry her. But Mm -hmm. he married her for all of the wrong reasons. She never really had an opinion. She was very uh, timid in a lot of ways. She was the exact opposite of me. And so we go out to dinner and we're talking and he's looking at me kind of dumbfounded and I stopped talking and I'm like, what? And he goes, I forgot how smart you are. <laughs> and I'm like, you're a dipshit. There's no really like, I just, he's like, it's been so long since I've been able to sit down with a woman and have an intelligent conversation. And he's like, I just, I really took you for granted. I really just mm. did not understand what we had. And he's like, now that I'm 50, I realize like, I just really effed this up. And I thought, you know, what a gift from spirit, you know, that a lot of people are like, oh my God, you know, he cheated on you. Why would you help him? Why would you? And I'm like, that's not what this is about. That is not what this is about at all. So I thought it was really great that spirit brought him back into my life so that I could help him. But more than anything, it was for me. It was spirit saying, you know, you did a a good thing. You did what you were supposed to do. It wasn't happening to you. It was happening for you. you 
both learned from this experience. And I was like, oh my God, like this is like spiritual shit right here. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, so great. You were able to get that message and then it came full circle so that you could really see, you know, that it was all for the evolution of both of your souls, you know? So well, great. and that, I think that that is one of the, I, I talk about on this show, my proprietary system is called Below the Cross Emotions and it's hate and frustration and anger and it, it's all the shitty emotions that a lot of people stay stuck in. And I think the big one for people is forgiveness. Mm. They don't understand mm -hmm. how to forgive. And, and Dolores Cannon talks a lot about how she would have a lot of clients come through and say, well, I can't forgive that person. You don't know what they've done to me. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That was a lesson for you to learn so that you could grow as a spiritual being. So that's why they end up getting cancer and, and, and all these illnesses. And so I thought, man, what a gift to really come full circle and, and regain that gift. And if you're listening to this and you don't ever have that chance or that opportunity, there's no reason why you can't do it from your end, you know, and, and gain that power back and, and forgive and let go of that person. And I think that what's really great about your book, Rebecca, is that I think that when you write a book like that, one, it's very cathartic, right? Because you can really yes. release all that stuff and you get what I call the chi into the pages. But I think it's very cathartic for people reading it because you give us permission to F up, basically. Like, <laughs> you know, we're sitting here over here all alone and we're thinking, man, I totally bought into this. I played the good girl role. I did all the wrong things and I'm the only one. Mm. and then you yeah. read the book and you're like oh there's someone like me <laughs> that bought into it yes. so what is your biggest hope you know I found it cathartic and um it resonated with me because I I felt a lot of myself I saw a lot of myself in your story but what is your hope with the book what do you hope that people walk away with after reading it um, I, I do hope that anyone can be helped um, by reading this story. It, was, it certainly was cathartic to write it, and it also was a little scary putting it out there, you know, and I was taught you don't air your dirty laundry and, you know, keep that illusion up of the perfect life, and I've even had people that were close friends to me say, I had no idea you were going through all that. Mm. Um, so it was a very small circle, you know, that I let in that could really see what was going on, but I, I hope that people would see if they are feeling stuck, whether it's in a relationship or just somewhere in their life that they, they are feeling stuck and that they can't change it, that it is possible to change it. And that uh, it is um, their right to be happy and that they have the power and they have the strength to do it um, and that they're worth it. What do you think is something either when you were starting to go through this or even now that maybe you undervalued or didn't really appreciate, but now looking back, it's like something that really changed your life. Well, I think uh, in these conversations with the moon, um, there were so many lessons that I learned. And the first was to, you know, stop focusing on being busy and what I was going to do and to, to slow down and to listen to my heart. And as I said, I, I had never thought that was important. So this whole concept of self-love, which to me, that, that seemed too big. Self-love just seemed 
so impossible and so out of reach. <laughs> it sounds funny to say that now, but it just, you know, I was taught that if you, the self-love was being selfish, right? And so um, you need to put other people's needs ahead of your own and take care of other people and, you know, you'll be rewarded in heaven or whatever. <laughs> and um, so that was such a huge concept that I had to really take baby steps and just simple things like doing something for myself, like taking a hot bath or lighting a candle, take some 10 minutes to meditate or take a walk um, or saying no, saying no to a commitment somebody else expected you to do or you thought you should do it because the good person would do this. And so just uh, learning to take care of my needs, learning to say no, um, just taking those baby steps towards self-love um, that's what I would encourage anybody that's, that's struggling with that, if that concept seems too big for you right now. And I love that you brought up that a lot, and I think a lot of women do think that self-love is selfish and we are taught not to think of ourselves and put ourselves first. We're always conditioned to put everyone else ahead of our own needs and to say yes to everything and to give, 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 give to the point of exhaustion. And if you're not giving enough, then you're not a good woman. Yes. But you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. You know, so if you're not filling yourself up, there's nothing to give. So but we, we missed that memo. <laughs> I know, right? Nobody gave it to me. Nobody gave me that memo. Nobody tells that. us that. Yeah, but, but we hear a lot that analogy of put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the child, and that's exactly what it is. You've just got to be sure you're breathing or nobody else is going to be able to breathe. Well, and I think it's so important, you know, I think a lot of us do hear that and, and we still kind of tune it out because the conditioning runs so deep and, and we've been told our whole lives, you know, and I do find it interesting, you know, you were talking about in your past life regression, like just the atrocities of how women have been treated. And, you know, I remember reading uh, Lean In and I remember just, I couldn't believe it. I think the, the book was written in 2015 or 2012 mm -hmm. or, you know, I mean, it's pretty recent yeah, and yeah. she's talking about the conditioning that we're still receiving like, uh, onesies that say cute, like mommy and smart, like mm -hmm. daddy. And it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that the, that the, the messaging is still there. The narrative is still the same that you're, you know, and I find it really interesting. I'm so curious to see how we emerge out of this year because there's such a paradigm shift that's occurring as far as uh, what we perceive as beauty moving forward. Um, I think we're going to start seeing, and I'm already starting to see it with a lot of my friends, the uprising of women are no longer coloring their hair. They're no longer <laughs> getting Botox. It's like we're retaliating. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Letting their eyebrows go natural and things like that. Yeah, same thing. And they it's all because we've been told that we are basically worthless if we're not attractive. Mm -hmm. But who determined what attractive is? Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to see like a lot of the friends in my circle, you know, that like their hair is, they're gray. My, my good friend, Amy, she's only 34 years old and she's got a full head of gray hair. It's fantastic. 
And, you know, she's, yeah. And she's been coloring her hair for years to hide the gray because, well, I'm only 30 years old. I can't have gray hair. Why the F not? Like, you know, that's what God gave you. So wear it with pride. So I think it's so great to see um, this emergence of the divine feminine and we're not wanting to be, you know, more powerful. We're just asking to be equal. And I think it's going to be this beautiful thing as, as, you know, more and more people are waking up and they're starting to realize, you know, how the narrative has been really controlled and how we have silently bought into it without realizing that we've bought into it. So true. I mean, it's just, it's the culture we were raised in. So it's hard to say that anything should be different because it's just, it's what we were taught. It's what we lived in. It's like the fish doesn't know that it's in water is the first fish to discover water was the flying fish right because it (laughs) went out of the water and then came back in it's like oh this is what my home is you know so it's it's you know we can't beat ourselves up too much but um but it is exciting to see the changes you know that this reset has um been making in the way we are going to be living and working into the future it's very exciting i agree and you know i I think that some people have expressed concern. They're scared because, you know, the news is controlling the narrative of fear, but so many wonderful, positive, amazing things are going to emerge because of this. And, you know, we're going to start taking better care of the environment. We're going to start realizing the importance of compassion and empathy and taking care of our own and community and like, oh my God, just all these beautiful things is, which is exactly how it should be. Um, which I think is so incredibly positive. And I love that women are just like untaming themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. That's great. Even what we wear, you know, we've been talking about having to go back to the office and oh, I'm not putting on heels. I'm wearing sneakers now. <laughs> yeah. I've been wearing yoga pants now for the last three months and I'm not going to change now. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, being comfortable, you know, there's, there is definitely a way to still look professional without being uncomfortable. Like I feel like I'm so much more productive if I'm comfortable and I'm not tugging at my bra and pulling on my (laughs) pants and (laughs) kicking off my shoes. So true. So I want everyone, uh, where can they, the book is called Rebecca's Rising, How I Found Courage and Self-Love Through Friendship coaching and conversations with the moon. Uh, we're talking with Rebecca Thompson today. Where can they get a copy of this book? Is it on Amazon? It sure is, Amanda. You can go to Amazon. It is available in both paperback and on Kindle version. And I am currently working on recording an audible uh, audio version of the book. Which is I love the exciting. cover, by the way. It's so artistic and free flowing and pretty and just all the feels. I love it. Oh, thank you. My, my good friend, Margaret Miller is an artist and she um, created, she creates healing hands where she actually will trace an individual's hand and then she'll fill it with all kinds of images that represent you. And so in my case, I was excited by the idea of a healing hand since I am a Reiki master. And so when I started thinking about the cover of my book, I immediately thought of Margaret and her healing hands and I asked her if she'd do one for me. And she read the book and then she filled it in. She came out and she traced my hand. She lives in Baltimore. I live in California. She came out to trace my hand because she wanted to physically do it herself to just, you know, get my energy. And then she read the book and she filled it with images that came up for her while she was reading it. So I am delighted with it. I have a, a big um, picture of the artwork on my wall that I'm looking at right now. 
and I always see something new when I look at it. Yeah, it's incredible. It's super artistic, and I, I love the fact that she captured your chi. I mean, that just makes it so much better. It just elevates mm -hmm. the whole thing in it, but um, I would encourage anybody who was listening to this to the, today, you know, if you've resonated with anything that we've talked about. I mean, I, as I read the book, I just, I, I just found myself continually saying, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Girl, I feel you <laughs> been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Um, and you know, I know that, that a lot of women have signed up and done this and, and been through these experiences, but still it, it's really nice to um, you know, feel like there's a tribe of women out there that understand and relate to your story and, and that you're not the only one, you know, you're not a failure because you signed up and, and you did what you were told to do. It's okay to break free from that and figure out your authentic self and, and to be selfish. You deserve it. Um, so it's a fantastic book. And I, I wanted to know uh, if you'll share with everyone, if they want to learn more about you or, um, if you've got any workshops or anything like that, where can they go to learn more? Sure. Yes. I have a website and it is called evolvewithoutlimits.com. And there you can also, um, there are links to purchase my books on Amazon. And there also, um, will tell you where I'm speaking and what I'm up to these days. I am putting together an online course and that will be available soon. So you can learn about that on my website. Um, so yeah, please do come visit me there. EvolveWithoutLimits.com. EvolveWithoutLimits.com. Even that just sounds magical. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for saying yes to this and coming on the show. Thank you for sending me um, a copy of this book. It just, it resonated so much with me and I um, just appreciate your candor and, and really being forthcoming and telling us your story. I know it's scary. It's so scary to put your story out there but I appreciate that you did that. I think it's, you know, it's powerful to um, put that message out into the world and, and let people know it's okay. Cause you're going to emerge out on the other side with, you know, incredible happiness and a powerful rising woman, which is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It's been my very great pleasure to be your guest. Thank you so much for having me. Well, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed this show as much as I did. I loved speaking with Rebecca and just hearing her uh, rise, you know, in her own story and following her own heart. And I hope that it encourages all of you to do that as we, you know, shift into the fall and start to move our paradigm of, you know, what our new world is, is going to look like and how um, we're going to experience it. I think each and every one of us need to find our own path and what works for us. And Rebecca is living proof that it absolutely can be done. And it might be a little bit scary, but you always come out on the other side, you know, just so much happier and more fulfilled, which who doesn't want more of that? All right, everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed this show today. I appreciate you listening in and I'm your host, Amanda Gates. If you want more information about the moving heart method, all you have to do is go over to gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash moving heart method. And if you'd like to learn about the workshop that astrologer Sharita Starr and I did, just go on over to the website gatesinteriordesign.com and it's at the top of the button, the or the button is at the top of the page there. So it's easy for you to find. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.